Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous supporters. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash donate. You're listening to Episode 8 of Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World, where we look at mysteries both supernatural and natural, anything that's strange, odd, or makes you wonder, the claims and counterclaims from the perspectives of both faith and reason. And in this episode, we're talking about the Tunguska Incident. I'm Don Bettinelli, and joining me today, of course, is Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Don. So uh, first, I want to just mention that we've got... uh, Today, we're going to be have at the end of the episode, so stick around, the mysterious headlines of the week. Uh, so uh, you, you want to be as, sure to uh, stick around for that. As well as mysterious feedback from uh, listeners. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, do you have some feedback, Jimmy? Because I you know, Oh, yeah. Have, okay. So uh, I, uh, my notes are incomplete. Uh, but uh, so we're talking right now about the Tunguska incident. And uh, Jimmy, what is the Tunguska incident? Well, um, it's an event that occurred on June 30th in 1908, and it occurred over Siberia. Tunguska is a place in Siberia. And basically, there was a huge explosion in the sky. Um, Something happened. Something blew up in the sky. It was really big. Um, We don't have an exact knowledge of, 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 you know, the megatonnage that was involved, but it was multiple megatons of explosive force. And it flattened trees over a huge area um, in in the in the Siberian forest. Fortunately, there are no known confirmed casualties. Um, the population of Siberia was very low back then. It, it's still lower than elsewhere in Russia today. And even though there are claims that maybe a couple of people died during it, we really don't have confirmation of that. So it looks like nobody, hopefully nobody died, but some kind of huge catastrophic explosion took place in the sky and knocked down all kinds of trees. So do we even know if there were any firsthand eyewitnesses? Has anyone ever said that they heard or saw this incident? Uh, my memory, I'd have to check, but my memory says that the 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 shockwave like went around the world and I think okay. was picked up in various ways. Um, but uh, I I am not familiar with anybody having been an eyewitness to it. And, and when we wait, talk- no, actually, maybe I do remember someone recalling there being a huge flash. Okay, but I'd have to check. And uh, and when we say this was a big event, knocked down a lot of trees. This was. Like something like the the square mileage. I mean, Siberia is a giant place uh, just to begin with. You could fit all the United States in it, I think. And uh, the the square mileage was like the state of Rhode Island or something. Like it was like a very large area that was affected by this. Yeah. um, Incidentally, the the shockwave knocked people. There were eyewitnesses. The shock people knocked shockwave knocked people off their feet and broke windows hundreds of kilometers away. Wow. Um, and if you look, there are photographs that were like taken in 1927, which is almost 20 years later. And there's still all of these trees that were knocked down. You know, the, the, you've got some new trees sprouting up, but you can still see all the trees that were knocked down. Right. In the artwork for today's show, you'll see, uh, I used a photo, one of these photos from 20 years later 
that shows the devastation still uh, still there. Um, I found a, a, a reference that said the uh, it affected 770 square miles of forest. Uh, mm-hmm. That is is a truly massive area. Um, so um, estimates of 80 million trees knocked out, knocked over. That's a, that's a lot of a lot of land. So yeah. So what happened? What caused this this ma- massive event well, explosion? We don't know. There are a bunch of different examples that range from the mildly exotic to the extremely exotic. <laughs> obviously, obviously, something exotic happened here because sure. massive explosions don't happen in the sky all the time. Um, so something exotic happened here. It's just a question of how exotic. On kind of the low end of the spectrum is the idea that it was a meteoroid, that uh, a fairly sizable meteoroid that impacted the Earth's atmosphere and broke apart and had an airburst explosion. And this would account for why we haven't found uh, an impact crater, uh, at least a clearly identifiable impact crater. Um, there, There is a candidate for an impact crater, but it's debated. Um, another possibility, and this was one that you would have heard Carl Sagan talk about if you watched his 1970s Cosmos series. Um, his proposal was that it was a piece of a comet. Hmm. Um, comets being made of lighter material than, uh, than, than meteoroids. Meteoroids are like rock and metal, and, and comets are more dust and ice. Um, that was his explanation for why we didn't have an impact crater is because part of a comet impacted the atmosphere and shattered and blew apart the same way. Um, and obviously we've seen, we know meteors hit planets. That happens on Earth all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw uh, a comet a few years ago hit Jupiter. Um, we know that happens. In fact, it's theorized that it was massive comet impacts that gave Earth its oceans in the early solar system. Some scientists have proposed that. Another event that has been proposed that is a little more exotic, even though it's a little more terrestrial, is that it could have been a natural gas explosion. Wow. That there could have been underground natural gas that filtered up into the atmosphere and then something like maybe lightning set it off. Hmm. Um, so that's that's one that we don't have as much experience. I mean, we've seen massive comet impacts and we know from impact craters, we've had massive meteor impacts, but we haven't seen massive natural gas explosions. So in a way, even though that's more terrestrial, it's also a little more exotic. Another similar proposal is that it was a volcanic event Hmm. known as a Vern shot. Um, The Vern shots are named after the uh, early science fiction author, Jules Verne who wrote Journey to the Center of the Earth. And according to this theory, um, massive like natural gas deposits can build up under the Earth's crust and then violently eject through a volcanic channel all at once. Um, so that's been speculated as a cause. Mm-hmm. Um, a little more exotic, one theory is a micro black hole um, impacted uh, our planet, and that's what caused the explosion. 
Another uh, exotic one is a little bit of antimatter hmm. impacted our atmosphere because anytime matter and antimatter uh, come into contact, they annihilate each other and release massive amounts of energy. So a small amount of antimatter could have little antimatter meteor, maybe the size of a speck of sand or something, mm. could have impacted uh, our atmosphere. Wow. Um, then you get to uh, sort of technological explanations. Obviously, we didn't have, I mean, if the atomic bomb could had been invented at this point, it could have been an atomic bomb. Right. But we didn't have atomic bombs for another 40 years. In fact, the principles behind atomic bombs wouldn't even be discovered for another 30 years almost. Um, but uh, just because we don't have the technology to do this in 1908 doesn't mean nobody does. And so various people have proposed that it was a spaceship that blew up or even a time ship or interdimensional ship of some kind that uh, was responsible for the event. Has there ever been a Doctor Who episode that dealt with the Tunguska incident? Uh, not an episode of the TV show that I recall. It may have been <laughs> mentioned in passing. Um, we in Doctor Who they they do have um, they do have uh, the episode Earthshock where the 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 event that destroyed the dinosaurs <laughs> tur turns out to have been a crashing spaceship from the future, okay. which had on it Adric, the most hated Doctor Who companion of all time, <laughs> except for Chameleon. Except. Yes. Um, uh, by the way, speaking of Doctor Who, I meant to mention in last week's show on Watergate, yeah. uh, there's a two-parter uh, in Matt Smith's The Eleventh Doctor's Time where he go where he visits Richard Nixon. Oh, I remember that, and, yes. Yeah, and, and it's implied that the Watergate tapes are something Nixon undertakes because of something Doctor Who told him. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like you need records of all your conversations. <laughs> so, by the um, way, folks, uh, if you're if you're into Doctor Who, you have to listen to our Secrets of Doctor Who episode that, uh, yeah. that uh, Jimmy and I and Father Corey Stika do together, also on SQPN.com. Uh, yeah. Well, speaking of Tunguska, I mean, there's not to, be, to extend the fictional aspect of that too much, oh, but the, the X-Files are all over this. Yes, that's what I was going to mention was yeah. the X-Files makes the, the, the alien spaceship explanation uh, part of their mythology uh, for for what happened here. Um, so so there's a lot of these all these explanations from the like you said mildly exotic to the frankly fanciful. Um, so so what can we say about this? What do we know about this? Well, um, we know there was a huge explosion over Siberia in June of 1908, and we have some estimates of the size of the explosion. Um, depending on whether it was like if it was a meteoroid or a comet, that would affect the size of the object, but it wouldn't affect that produced the explosion, but it wouldn't so much affect the size of the explosion itself. Estimates um, range from like three to five megatons on the low end to about 30 megatons of TNT on the high end. Mm. And to give you a scale of comparison, uh, in the middle of that range, about 15 megatons, that would be a thousand times the size of the atomic bomb that we dropped on Hiroshima, Japan wow. in 1945. Um, it's also about equal to the size of the Castle Bravo um, ground-based 
uh, thermonuclear bomb from 1954. And it's actually less than, it's only about, a, this is all from, you can find all this on Wikipedia. It's only about a third of the largest atomic bomb uh, explosion, which was the Sarbamba explosion that the Soviets did in 1961. But wow. it's, it's, it's still really big. This is, this is a thousand Hiroshima's all at once. Wow. Okay. And, um, if it's in the middle of the range. And so, and what we, what we also know is, is that there's, there's no impact crater. Just, we see the, if the blast effects just, do we know if it radiates out from a point? Is that what is? Do the there is there is a discernible blast pattern, and they've tried to use that to calculate where roughly this this would have been. But because it's an object in motion and it's an airburst, yeah. it's kind of like a smear right. rather than a specific point. Also, uh, there is a proposed impact crater. Um, it's a place called Lake Checo. Um, and some researchers from the University of Bologna in uh, 2007 uh, proposed this uh, this lake as a possible impact crater that then filled up with water. Oh. Um, however, more recent studies of like the lake deposits, the the silt or not silt, but the mud deposits at the bottom of the lake suggest that it's older than 2008. So there's there's debate about this. Okay. So. Um from the perspective of reason what does what what how can we approach this these mysteries the this mysterious event from the perspective of reason what does reason say about it the the simplest explanations are usually the the ones that are the most probable and so i would say that from a reason perspective the meteoroid or comet explanations are the most probable um, we understand those phenomena well. We know that that similar things have happened in the past in the history of Earth and other planets in the solar system. <clears throat> um, it's just a matter of estimating the size of the object, and we have a fairly good way of doing that. Um, in fact, these events are something that happen on various scales with known frequency. Um, I mean, every day, meteors streak through our sky. Right. And most of those are, even though you, they look, you know, when you see them, if you go out uh, away from light pollution from the city and lay on the ground and wait 15 minutes for your eyes to dilate and then look up, uh, you can see meteors on any given night. And they're like fast moving points of light that quickly burn out. Um, but they're pretty bright. Well, really, those are like uh, those are like the size of a grain of sand or a small pebble. Uh, coming apart as it streaks through the atmosphere and is being burned off by the atmosphere. That happens multiple times every single day. And then larger objects hit the Earth's atmosphere with uh, varying degrees of frequency. The larger the object, the less frequent we get hit by that. The tiny ones we get hit by every single day, the bigger ones we get hit by more rarely. But it's been estimated that something like Tunguska you know, will happen every... Every hundred years, every few hundred years, it's so even just the natural course of what we would expect to happen would lead to things like Tunguska. Um, we don't have evidence. We don't have the same kind of history for the even more exotic explanations. Um, while I can't rule any of them out in principle, 
we don't have evidence for a similar kind of natural gas explosion happening regularly or a, vol- a Vern shot happening regularly. We don't have evidence of a of a of a black of black holes impacting the earth, even tiny ones like this. I mean, there may be very small subatomic black holes, but not ones big enough to cause this event. Antimatter is amazingly absent from nature mm. in in any sizable quantities. That's one of the big mysteries the uh that CERN is trying to figure out is where's all the antimatter that ought to be here. <laughs> um, and similarly, we don't have reliable, uh, we don't have, I mean, there are claims, but we don't have a reliable history of being frequently impacted by spaceships or time ships or interdimensional ships the way we have a reliable history of being hit by meteoroids and comets. So in other words, what you're saying is <clears throat> it's not impossible for those things no, necessarily. not impossible. But because, you know, because uh, I'm trying to think, think of an analogy. If you know, if a if birds keep hitting your window every day, say, yeah, if you get if something impacts your window tomorrow, it's likely to be a bird and not a spaceship. Right, and birds have hit my windows before. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Uh, so, um, yeah, so it's so it's so the likelihood is, is is that it's something that we've experienced as opposed to this this unlikely event, even though it's technically possible. Yeah. And there have been similar but smaller events since, even in Russia. Um, Back in 2013, uh, there was another event over uh, Chelyabinsk in Russia where um, a meteoroid impacted our atmosphere and exploded and it got caught on video. Lots of videos. And uh, lots of video. And, you know, some people got injured. And it was another one where there was, because it was airburst, there was no obvious impact crater from that. I incidentally from that I remember being at mass the following Sunday and in the uh intentions of the faithful one of them was for the victims of the asteroid explosion in Russia we pray to the lord and it's like <laughs> wow you don't hear that all the time <laughs> this is I'm really living in the future here <laughs> that is an interesting yeah that's not in the book <laughs> yeah so but uh, so so probably it was an asteroid um it, it, we know there are future likely events of this same nature. In fact, the, NASA has a big detection program that's going on right now to detect near-Earth orbit, near-Earth objects to try to find where they're going to intersect with our orbit and give us enough notice that we can potentially deflect these objects so that they don't impact us. Right. Um, and that's led to a saying on on some people's part uh, that uh, asteroids are just nature's way of saying, how's that space program going? <laughs> <laughs> that, that was actually the, the Hollywood got kind of lashed on that idea about, what, 20 years ago with uh, the the uh, deep, deep impact, impact and, and uh, Armageddon. Armageddon, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Where, where the best yeah. idea was to send a bunch of miners uh, to a uh, asteroid to uh, blow it up. There uh, are actually better ideas. There are better ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, better to train some astronauts on how to do mining than to train miners yeah. to do astronauts. Anyway, that's 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 uh, for a different Also, show. you probably don't want to just blow it up because b- just blowing it up doesn't change its course. So then you get hit by all the shrapnel. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, so um, they're trying to detect them. Are, is you know is this a is this a present danger for us? I mean, is there something going coming our way that's 
Well, uh, as the 2013 incident illustrated, some things get through the cracks um, and people can even get hurt. Now, hopefully, um, we're aware of the biggest ones that that would pose the greatest dangers. And it looks like we're not going to get hit by anything soon. Um, But going out 100 years or more, it gets harder to predict. And um, and there are still bodies that they are still finding. They'll every so often, every few weeks, it seems, or certainly every few months, you hear about some new object that whizzed past the Earth and they didn't even see it until after it had gone by. I, um, I think this is mm-hmm. something that people really need. You know, it's hard to kind of grasp is that space is big and it's mm-hmm. really hard for people on Earth to we, we're not monitoring every Every inch of the space around Earth, even in inside yeah. the orbit of the moon, never mind the whole solar system. I think science fiction has kind of given us a uh, uh, oversimplified idea of how easy it is to see things in our in the space around Earth. I mean, it's hard enough yeah. to find a particular satellite in low Earth orbit, never mind some object coming at it. Yeah. And some people, because they haven't experienced something like this event, they kind of poo-poo the asteroid detection and deflection efforts. And it's like, oh, we don't need that. That's a waste of money. It's like, no, dude, these things happen. We owe our existence to one of these things happening to the dinosaurs. (laughs) This happened in 1908 over Siberia. Right. If the next one happens over New York City, you will take this much more seriously. Right. Let's make sure the next one does not happen over. Let's let's avoid having a next one of this size because it would be absolutely devastating if it hit an if it happened over a populated area. In fact, those movies we talked about probably actually helped a bit in order to bring home to people what could what it would be like to have something of this nature happen to us. Uh, through the the Hollywood special effects showing us, um, and and speaking of it happens. Yeah. I, I I I prefer the solution in in the Stargate SG one episode where they <laughs> were able to phase the asteroid through the Earth, so it didn't actually yes. impact. Yes, that that was a <laughs> that very was good a much, solution. <laughs> much happier. <laughs> so and Jimmy, you like you, when you say these things happen because you've been to impact craters around, you know, oh, yeah. various impact craters. Yeah, I have kind of a little project. So far, I've really only been to two, but I have kind of a project of I'd like to visit as many impact craters as I can. Um, One that I went to is in Arizona. Um, There's a famous site in northern Arizona. It's near the Painted Desert in the Petrified Forest, and it's called Meteor Crater. And it's massive. I mean, it's it's unbelievably huge. It's from a meteor that hit within 50,000 years or so, which is within, you know, human history, not recorded history, but within human history. And so um, it's absolutely stunning. Uh, On good days, they will allow you to walk along the edge of it on a designated tourist path with like a tour. But on bad days, they don't allow that because the wind is strong enough. It might lift you up and blow you into the crater. <laughs> and this crater is, <laughs> is deep. I mean, that's a, that would be it's, a deadly event. It's, it would deadly. It yeah. would be, it's a huge, huge crater. It's just dwarfs. Uh, you know, it's hard to describe how big it is. Yeah. Um, you look for pictures it's, you know, online. Yeah. It's hundreds, hundreds of feet deep and I don't know, something like a mile across or something. Um, and if you, if you've ever seen the movie Starman, 
um, back from the 80s, that was filmed in Meteor Crater. So it's it's um, three quarters of a mile across and yeah. 560 feet deep, which is quite a lot. Yeah, you can get vertigo looking into the thing. It's not as deep as the Grand Canyon, which is also in northern Arizona. But by the way, northern Arizona is awesome. Go visit it. <laughs> um, uh, however, um, it's it's really impressive. Also in West Texas, there's another smaller um, meteor impact crater near Odessa. Um, and I've been there too and walked around in that one. It's not near so deep, so you can get down in it easily. Um, I even have a piece of that meteor uh, because they sell them. And so I, I bought a little tiny chunk of that of that meteor. Um, and it dates to about the same time as as Meteor Crater in Arizona. And so just I haven't ever checked this out. But personally, I wonder if they were like parts of the same original body and it was dis it was disintegrating as it came into Earth's atmosphere. And part of it hit in Texas and part of it hit in Arizona. Interesting. That's that's yeah. an interesting theory. Um, okay. So having been to these places, I take this a little more seriously because I've seen what happens as a result. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, so that's the recent perspective. What do we know from a faith perspective about or what can we say about this from a faith perspective? Well, um, obviously, it's part of God's providence to allow the universe to play out this way. And uh, that's something the catechism of the Catholic Church talks about, that as long that God created the world in a state of journeying, and as long as it hasn't reached its final form, he allows these creative and destructive forces to play out and interact with each other. And so, um, so that's something that is part of God's overall plan. It incorporates events like this. Um, and we can be thankful that in this case, it looks like nobody got killed, or if they did, very few people got killed. Uh, we can be thankful that uh, God allowed a similar but even bigger event, it looks like, to happen 60 million years ago, which opened the way for our mammalian ancestors to replace the dinosaurs. That was part of God's plan. Yep. Um, we can be thankful that God has given us the ability to detect and hopefully even deflect such events from happening in the future. And we can be extremely thankful that, uh, that, that he didn't allow this to happen between 1948 and 1991, <laughs> because that was the Cold War. And if there had been a Tunguska-like event over the Soviet Union, or America um, during the Cold War, it would have been interpreted as a nuclear attack, and that would have set off World War III. Right. Um, and by God's providence, that did not happen. We came very close to other things uh, setting off World War III, mm -hmm. including uh, a flock of geese was once mistaken by the Soviets for an incoming nuclear attack. And Mikhail Gorbachev actually kept a statue of a goose in his office in the <laughs> Kremlin as a reminder that even something as simple as geese could be mistaken for a nuclear attack. Right. I, uh, I remember one story about uh, sunlight glinting off of clouds set off yeah. the nuclear detection system the the Soviet it one. It looked like a nuclear flash. And yeah. uh and there was should have been an automatic we should launch, but this one colonel in the Soviet rocket forces disobeyed orders mm -hmm. and said no, we need to verify. Yeah. And that prevented yeah. World War Three. So yes, and, we thank and, God and, for him. 
Yeah, and there were there were multiple incidents like that. There was another during the Cuban Missile Crisis where one officer on a sub who had one of three votes, it had to be unanimous, one officer voted no, and they didn't launch. Um, so we came very close to nuclear war on multiple occasions, and so we can thank God that we didn't have a Tunguska-like event during the Cold War because it would have been horrible. Yes. So what's our uh, our bottom line on the, uh, the the mystery of the Tunguska event? Uh, the bottom line is that the Tunguska event was was probably a natural event, like a meteoroid or a comet. Um, and it's also a dramatic reminder of the powerful forces that exist in nature and of our own smallness. But also, with the detection and deflection efforts coming online, also of our own greatness as God's creatures. Very good. Uh, so, folks, as, uh, we'll put links to some resources, uh, some articles and other things. Uh, and uh, I'm actually going to – I'll also put a link to the uh, Meteor Creator Meteor Crater in Arizona uh, article on Wikipedia for you to, to show, show you a little bit about that crater there too. So um, from, so that's the Dunguska event. So let's go to some of our mysterious feedback uh, on our previous shows. Uh, on our episode on transhumanism, we had a comment from Max Mezel on Twitter um, who informs us the X-Men, we, we discussed the X-Men, uh, as 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 part of transhumanism, and he said the X Men aren't transhuman. They went through some extra evolutionary super puberty, a la the Atomic Age. But Captain America is more like transhumans. So, so that's that's a good point. Yeah. So so I guess I I think Max is quite correct about the X Men. Um, I wouldn't say the X Men are transhumanists. They are or arguably are transhumans in that they're a new human subspecies that in the eyes of some mutants in the Marvel universe should replace mankind. Right. Um, so I would say some of them have transhumanist intentions, um, especially maybe in the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yes, they really call themselves that. <laughs> it was it was the 60s. Um, but, um, but they themselves aren't trying to engineer a new human race. They're not trying to use technological or medical ways of augmenting ordinary humans to produce a new human race. It's just kind of happening. Right. Um, Captain America is interesting because he, back during World War II, uh, uh, took what was called the super soldier serum to produce an upgraded soldier. And that does look a little more like transhumanism in one way in that he is an upgraded human. Um, but I don't think there were ultimately transhumanist intentions behind the super soldier program. It was more like an expedient to help us win World War II, not an attempt to fundamentally replace the current human race. Okay, very good. Uh, now our next feedback is, uh, on our first episode that was on ghosts, uh, Carolyn Lally on YouTube. She said, hi, Jimmy, big fan of a Catholic answers in your podcast. I particularly appreciate the detailed historic perspective in your responses. Insofar as this topic of ghosts, I've had three encounters with spirits, none of which were good. Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, well, I mean, I, I, if I ever experienced a ghostly event, even a, 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 
sort of neutral ghost event. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would characterize it as good myself. It would uh, I would be super creeped out. So uh, thank you for sharing that, Carolyn. And then our third uh, f- piece of feedback also uh, on YouTube from Stat Crux Doom Volvitor Orbis. I, I, my Latin is terrible. That Pro- prodigious name. Yes, uh, yeah. I'm not sure. It's something about a cross and an orb, uh, but uh, you know. But they say in their comment, "I saw a purple orb last year. Most bizarre mm-hmm. thing I've ever seen. It was almost electrical, about the size of a bowling ball. It hovered over my bed and then suddenly disappeared." It wasn't ball lightning or St. Elmo's fire. Really strange. My mom experienced poltergeist in the 1969, in the 1960s. It was witnessed by two others on separate nights. My mom was a science graduate, so very rational. She also didn't like to talk about it as it disturbed her. Wow. Wow. That's, that's really creepy. I, yeah. I, I do not. That's the other thing is I do not want to wake up and find hovering ball of purpleness or over my bed. That's just. Yeah, I'd rather just sleep through that. <laughs> yeah, I I would both want to touch it and then be afraid it would shock me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I would nudge my wife, Melanie. Do you see that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, so that's our feedback for this week. And um, yeah, thank you for the feedback. Keep it coming. Yes, we love your feedback. And uh, if you want to send audio feedback, a recording of your voice. You could record it on your phone using the voice memo and then attach it to an email and send it to us at mysterious at sqpn.com. We would love to uh, to play your feedback uh, on the recording, on the podcast. Uh, and then finally, uh, mysterious headlines. Jimmy, what mysterious headlines do we have this week? So we have three mysterious headlines and links to all of them will be in the show notes. Uh, one of them in continuing Bigfoot news, the town of Marion, North Carolina has named Bigfoot its official animal. Excellent. Um, so it's good to know they have an official animal now and that it's Bigfoot. <laughs> Um, also, we recently, in, re- in ongoing Egypt news, uh, we recently discovered that Egyptians have been making mummies for longer than we knew. Um, recently, a mummy was dated to 3600 BC, uh, which was 500 years before Egypt was even a united country. And some evidence points to the Egyptians deliberately mummifying people, not just because corpses would dry out in the sand, but deliberately mummifying people as early as 4300 BC, which would be 6,300 years ago. Wow. And again, put that in perspective, all of human civilization fits within about a 10,000 year period. So that's that's pretty far back. All of recorded history. Yes, yes, recorded human civilization. Um, lastly, uh, there's an article on, from Real Clear Science on top six dinosaur myths. And so if you want to find out what some myths you may have heard about dinosaurs are, be sure and check that out. Uh, one of them they cover is the fact that dinosaurs, unlike the pictures in the books I grew up with, they were not all gray, green, and brown. <laughs> um, they came in a variety of different colors, some of which were very uh, bright the same way uh, birds and so forth use bright colors to attract mates and intimidate prey and things like that. Yeah, I, I love the how uh, over the years the Jurassic pic- motion pictures, the Jurassic movies, have reflected the things we've come to learn about dinosaurs and the way they look and act. Uh, uh, yeah, and lately to- we've we found pigments uh, in some fossil remains that have allowed us to reconstruct color patterns. Yes, excellent. So, uh, folks, I want to again. Uh, ask you to you know, please like comment subscribe get notifications and share our podcast help spread the news 
about uh, this podcast. So a lot of people said they liked it, so help us to uh, to, to get it out to, to more people. Uh, and so, otherwise, that's it for us from uh, about the Tunguska incident. Uh, what do you think of the Tunguska event? What you know? What do you think of our uh, discussion of it? And what do you think really happened? So again, like I said, go to sqpn.com or the SQPN Facebook page. Leave a comment there on this particular show or send us an email to mysterious at sqpn.com we'll put all the links to the show and the resources uh, on our website in our show notes uh, as well as links to our social media Uh, and so until next time Jimmy Aiken thank you for exploring with us our mysterious world thanks Dom and once again I'm Dom Bettinelli thank you for listening to Jimmy Aiken's Mysterious World